Activia offers a range of yogurts which are a delicious way to look after your gut health. From the fruit range with carefully selected ingredients to no added sugar and 0% fat offering, as well as a cereals range, there's an Activia for everyone. Made with a unique blend of five ferments creating an irresistibly creamy texture, each pot of Activia is a source of calcium, making it the perfect addition to your daily routine. Activia helps support a healthy gut. Your gut is where it all begins. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, this week's guest needs no introduction to Irish TV viewers, having graced Irish and international TV for more than two decades. From Ireland AM to The Big Breakfast, The Swan, Dancing with the Stars, and my personal favourite, Total Wipeout. But as a former model and TV presenter, that brought with it its own troubles and difficulties and pressures to look perfect on screen. Age 47, she's now opened up about her darkest moments and how she turned her life around. Amanda Byram, welcome to Real Health. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I was flicking through your book uh, this morning. It's a phenomenal product. It looks great. It's full of really great content. So I'm looking forward to picking your brains uh, about the whole book. Let's kick it off with that. Why now? Why why release the book now? Why write the book over the course of the last uh, year or so? I think now is probably a, a more pertinent time than ever before. Um, for so many reasons, I, I suppose I talked about my journey to health uh, quite, a, quite a while ago, about five or six years ago. I wrote a blog for the Huffington Post and it was sort of the start of my journey to, to making the switch, which is the name of the book. And I, I felt like as soon as I... I was honest about that journey, that's when, you know, the, the reciprocation was there. So there were so many women who would contact me on, on DMs and email and through agents and that kind of thing, basically saying, oh my God, we're going through the exact same journey. How do I do this? How do I fix it? How do I stop this? This sort of vicious cycle of, you know, perpetual trying to be perfect or perpetually yo-yo dieting or perpetually beating myself up. And so that sort of snowballed over the last five years. And, and as time went on, I was reaching out to women and I was offering support and I was offering advice and helping, helping women through those kind of those forums. And over that time, so many women had said to me, you should write a book, you should put it all down. And I remember thinking, oh, I know that they say that everyone's got a book in them. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I can write a blog and I'm good at writing. It's just a book's a big thing to write. So I think over that period of time, it, it sort of seeped into my consciousness every now and then. And especially in the last couple of years, uh, there's been so much... Uh, I suppose, kind of spotlight on insecurities, on body image issues, on anxiety, on depression, on mental health in particular. And obviously, you know, with social media on the rise, that doesn't help. And so I think the, 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 the feedback that I've been getting from so many men and women was that it's time to stop. We need help. Like, how can, how can this change? How can society change? And I felt like then that was the right time to really tell my story, you know, to sort of, and it was very cathartic for me, but really, really talk about everything in depth and talk about what it was like for me, how I started out, where it began, and the feelings that that evoked and, and how, I, how I switched it around. And I thought if I can reach out and help one woman or man, 
one young girl, then that is, that's my job done. You know, obviously I would love to help many hundreds, thousands, however many would be incredible. That's, that's how I feel at the moment. I feel, Carl, honestly, for every red carpet that I've walked, for every live show that I've done, for every celebrity that I've interviewed, you know, nothing comes close to that feeling of, of a woman coming to me saying, oh my God, this this has helped me so much. It's changed my life. So for me, that was really, that, that was the spark. And also I think because, you know, I've talked about so many things over the years, it just feels like a really nice place to have everything, to have all of my tips, my advice, my story. Um, and it sort of lives under one roof now and, and it's there sort of for eternity, so to speak. So yeah, it just really felt like a really, really good time to, to sort of, you know, tell my story and help people because it's, it's so important to, to help. And you talk about making the switch. What was the one moment or was there one big moment where you realized you had to make those changes that were necessary? Um, I don't think there was one moment necessarily. Um, I think there were, there were several moments stitched together in time. Um, I really had to educate myself first and foremost. It was all about education. Um, I learned, I learned how to treat my body. I, I took a, a course in, in PT, SNAP. Um, so I learned how to become a personal trainer because I wanted to understand how the physical body worked and and why it did the things it did. Um, I studied nutrition, I studied NLP. Um, I really went back to basics and, and I sort of, so I learned how to exercise properly. I learned how to eat properly because for decades I'd done everything the wrong way. I thought I was being healthy. I thought I was eating healthily. I thought I was training well. Hey, I'm at the gym two hours a day. Of course I'm being brilliant. <laughs> and, and in fact, it was quite the opposite. Everything was to excess because there was all of this pressure to do all of these things all of the time. Um, and and most of all, I learned that you can be happy within your body, but you have to be happy in your mind. And interestingly, when I started writing the book, it actually started out as being sort of like a, a guide to how to look good in your 40s and beyond. And very, very quickly, it became apparent to me that actually the physical stuff meant nothing. It meant absolutely nothing. Unless you could start here, nothing else would fall into place. So that it actually then sort of, it switched itself around and became a bit more of a, a mental health book. So I sort of started it in the progression of chronological order and then it ended up being, oh, let's take a step back, start here, and then we can move forward. And of course, across your career, you have had huge pressures. Uh, it started as a model and then into TV presenting and being a public figure. Incredible pressure comes with that. So let's chat us through that a little bit and how you managed it and dealt with that pressure. Well, it's interesting because my, my uh, journey to being unhealthy started when I was around 16. So it was well before any TV, any kind of fame, anything kicked in. And I think, I, I can't remember specifically what that was. I don't know if it was external influences, uh, a friend of mine, and I talk about this in the book, a friend of mine commented on a bit of fat popping out of my cycling shorts. And, and I remember like a little light switching on in my brain going, oh, well, I'll show you, or maybe I won't have that dinner. And, and I, my, my body image issues really began quite, quite early. Um, and then of course I got into television Probably not the best industry to get into if you if you if you have body image issues, 
interestingly enough, I don't think that I, well, I didn't think that it had affected me the way it did. It's all quite subconscious. You know, I had a wonderful childhood. Uh, I was uh, quite a, a confident young woman, you know, confident into, enough to do live television and, and succeed in that arena. I just think what people sort of don't ever realize is that the stuff that's going on behind the curtain isn't necessarily matching what's going on outside the curtain. And I think that's really important to, to get across to people. Um, so yeah, television is an interesting, an interesting forum, uh, as you will know, with your uh, on-screen stuff as well. Um, and and it, I suppose it's hard not to allow the idea of perfection to seep in because you know there are always going to be critics. There are always going to be people who say they don't think you're good enough, and you know they they say that you don't have a nice voice, or they say that you don't have a nice face, or they say that her hair is desperate, or her dress is terrible, or what she's saying, or she's stupid. And all of these things, they, they sort of float around in the ether. And I remember on, on many, many shows, especially when social media started, I had to stop looking at social media after certain shows because, you know, you would see 20 beautiful comments, really lovely complimentary comments, and one really nasty one. And, and it used to really affect me. It, it hit me in the, the kind of the, the guttural base of my neck and I felt ill and sick. And, and then I thought, you know what? Don't read any of them because ultimately other people's opinions, whilst when they're lovely, they're wonderful, ultimately don't matter to how you live your life, nor should they. And, and you know, I, I also talk about definitions and uh, ideas of people. You know, the human mind likes to put people in boxes because it's much easier. You know, we compartmentalize. You're a podcaster. Oh, no, wait, you're a PT as well. Ah, brain can't compute. You know, we couldn't be everything we want to be. Um, and I just think we have, to, we have to be kinder to ourselves and allow ourselves the opportunity to do all those things without taking on those external influences, those voices. And was TV presenting something you always wanted to do, or where? And where did that juncture come from? From modelling to TV, where did that? You know, what was the, what was the the, the chance or the, the break that that you got? And what did you decide to go for it if it wasn't in the plan? Well, I thought I was going to marry Ralph Macchio from The Karate Kid. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I'm not joking. So my first sort of introduction to Hollywood was I thought I was going to go to LA and marry Mal Ralph Macchio and I was going to be Mrs. Karate Kid. Genuinely, no word of a lie. So I always had aspirations, interestingly, to be an actor, to be in Hollywood. And I, I've, I've been a big fan of manifestation for a very long time, ever since I can remember. And I, I found an old... Um, a diary, a very old diary. It's got a broken lock where my sister broke it when I was about 10 as well. And, and I've got notes in it to say, I'm writing in code now, Natasha. You broke my <laughs> lock. I will never let you know what's in my diary again. And in that 10-year-old diary, I manifested and I was saying, one day I will see my name in lights or one day I will drive down this road and I will, you know, see the Hollywood sign, etc." And so for me, my first foray was, so I was modeling in Ireland, which was just the best fun and wonderful. And one, one hot summer, there was a casting that was going on all summer, which I didn't know about for a TV show, which was Ireland's first morning show called Ireland AM. And uh, Catherine Rogers, a journalist, actually uh, reached out to Andrew, who is now my first former boss, and said, oh, I think Amanda Byrne would be great because she's talked about this. And, you know, I used to manage manifest TV stuff. And so I went in for an interview on the Friday and Andrew said, oh, well, I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Don't take that as an offense. I just, I wasn't expecting this. 
can you start Monday? So on Monday, I quit modeling and I was in the studio with the lovely Mark Cagney by oh, the yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. We had three weeks. It was the first time I'd ever done live television. We had three weeks and we did a five, four, three, two, one countdown holding hands under the table. And I remember thinking, <laughs> what's happening? And that was it. So that was sort of my foray into television. And it was the best year of my life. We had, it was, you know, it was a real introduction because we'd never done live television before. So we were making our mistakes on screen, which was, which was great. And how did you make the jump then from Ireland over to the US? So I actually, funny story, I was hosting uh, Ireland AM and I was dating a guy called Patrick Keelty, an Irish comedian at the time. He happened to be hosting The Big Breakfast. And the week that he was hosting, he was standing in for Johnny Vaughan and they did this thing where they used to send Richard Bacon, he used to do the outside broadcast and they'd send him off to do... I remember that. You remember that? Oh this? my God, that brings me oh, back. <laughs> right? It was about the, the guest <laughs> presenter. So it was, he was from County Down, so Richard was in County Down, da 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 da, da. I had no clue what was coming next. One of the things was his girlfriend hosts a morning show at the same time as The Big Breakfast. So I'm interviewing someone. I look out the side of my eye, my peripheral vision, I can see Richard Bacon trying to storm into the studio. And all of my producers going, no, we're live on air. Long story short, he came in, he starts interviewing me live on The Big Breakfast. And the bosses saw that and said, we, we just thought you were so calm and laid back. And would you like to come for a casting? That was the UK break. And then after that, um, it was again, sort of bright place, right time. I was out there. I bumped into a producer who said, um, I was in LA, bumped into a producer who said, I remember you from the big breakfast. What are you doing now? I said, actually, I'm, I'm out of work. I'm not doing anything. I'm, you know, I'm, what do you got? He said, do you have a showreel? I said, do I have a showreel? <laughs> I'm in Hollywood. Here you go. <laughs> and again, within two weeks of that, I'd, I'd, uh, the, the head of Fox had seen my showreel and said that he wanted to use me for this show called Paradise Hotel on Fox. And that was my first gig. Within two weeks of that, I was living in Mexico hosting the show on, on Fox Primetime. So all really kind of mind-blowing, uh, last minute, right place, right time. But also, if I'm honest, very much manifested. I really believe in the universe. I really believe if you believe in something enough, it, it can be yours. You just have to believe you can do it. And is that self-belief something that A, has always been there and B, something that's got you through the uncertainty in terms of career-wise? So modeling, TV, generally, it's a really uncertain time. It could be a flood, it could be a famine. It's very difficult to know when the work is going to come in. And just for people listening in, with COVID, times are uncertain. And, you know, that kind of sense of self-belief will be really important to get them through these uncertain times. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie. I've had many, many moments of not having self-belief. Um, you know, for the most part, it's sort of been the backbone of my, my, my existence that uh, I'll never forget. I think it stems from um, when I was modeling, before I got into modeling, I had a big knockback from a big model agent who said, if I don't think you can be a model, no one will. And I... I remember those words at the age of 16 thinking, oof, and I remember literally putting my tail between my legs and, and sort of going back to, to whatever kind of, you know, trying to pick up the pieces, I suppose, and trying not to let that affect me. And I remember my mum always saying, you've got to pick yourself up, 
up, you've got to brush yourself off and you've got to put your head high and you walk tall and you go for it. Never listen to what anyone else has to say if you believe or want something. So I think that really stemmed from my parents, that belief. So it's sort of been the invisible backbone to my, my belief system. That said, of course, I've had so many knockbacks in TV, so many knockbacks in, in modeling, so many knockbacks in life as we all do and so sometimes it's really difficult to go no I believe I'm brilliant because that's not the belief it's not that I believe I'm brilliant it's that I believe that I have the ability to hold it together long enough to do a good job because if someone believes in me enough to give me the job okay I've got to take that deep breath and really believe in myself so I think it's it's sometimes it is really difficult and and you know going back to COVID it's wow what a time we are living in I mean for mental health for physical health all of those things I think for me I've really pulled a, a huge chunk of gratitude out of it I think the first and foremost that I pulled is that my family are safe and well that we kind of came out unscathed so far touch wood and I think that's you know so many people have lost lives who've lost family members they've lost jobs I mean that has been just overwhelmingly sad and, and awful um, and I suppose for me I think it, the, the resounding message for for me was that you know we cannot control everything and it trickles down to everything in life right so there's things I can't control on a daily basis I can't control if someone says something nasty about me I can't control if I lose a job uh, if I've not done something wrong if someone doesn't like me for it I can't control very many things there are many things I can control and, and I know that the things I can control are my emotions and I can control how I think and how I speak and how I see and view the world. And interestingly, they are the things that are the first step to being a positive person, to doing something well. I mean, I talk in the book about NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which I know you know about. And even something as simple as saying the word and instead of but. So Carl, I think your podcasts are amazing, but... Right? Mm -hmm. You're thinking, all oh, right, okay, so now everything you just said is BS, what's coming next? But if I say, Carl, I think your podcast cats are amazing, and, you know, and, and, and it's difficult to switch little things, switching them makes a world of difference. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. What times we're living in, I just think it's really important to only be able to control the things we can control and not try to control the things we can't because that's just going to end in... in, in I, I guess, sadness and, and not being able to do it and then feeling like you failed. You're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Making changes when it comes to health can be difficult for people. Uh, and, you know, particularly at the moment, they're under pressure anyway. But your health is more important than it's ever been before. When you were making the switch and making those changes yourself, what, what kind of roadblocks did you go through, I suppose? How did you overcome them? Um, I think it's, again, it all comes back to mental health. It all comes back to trying to mentally remove those road, roadblocks. Um, I, and, and it also comes back to education. I'm, I'm sort of really passionate about teaching young children the, the tools that they need from a very early age. I mean, if you think about the, the, the rise in depression and anxiety among 12-year-old girls and boys, uh, specifically geared towards uh, um, social media, you know, perfectionism, and I, I talk about perfectionism in the book, it's not just one single thing, it's sort of 
a lot of things combined. You know, I, I studied those, it's called the multidimensional perfectionism scale. And there are three types of perfectionism. There's uh, self-oriented, other-oriented, and socially prescribed. Um, self-oriented is where I believe that other people you know, I need to be perfect. I need to be perfect because I have to please. Um, other oriented is I want other people to be perfect because, hey, I'm doing my job. So get me there on time. You had one job, mister, one job to do. You couldn't even switch, record and play at the same time. You know, it's having those expectations of other people that really don't do us the world of good. Um, and then they're socially prescribed, which is the highest at the moment with social media, which is we expect everyone else to think we're perfect. So all of those likes on, on Instagram, all of those comments, you know, all of those kind of addictive sort of reinforced uh, positivity that really are very detrimental and addictive, um, you know, it's those kind of things. So I think for me, the roadblocks were trying to eliminate the negative things in my life understanding what they were, you know, setting real goals, understanding what was making me happy, little things like eliminating some people from my life, you know, people who really sucked me dry with energy. I, I, I had some friends who I call sappers, so they sap the energy out of you. And then I've surrounded myself with positive zapping people, so the sappers and the zappers. So, so many things that I had to do to sort of, to turn it around. And it, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, there are many, many, many tips and tricks and there are many things and, and many months and sometimes years. I think understanding that you have to do the work. One of the things I say in the, in the, the opening of the book is that I suspect that a lot of people who buy self-help books, sometimes if they've got a lot of them, and, and you know, I, I was exactly the same, expect the author to do the heavy lifting, whereas the key is sort of in the title, self-help, I will be there to hold your hand. I will absolutely be there on DMs. I speak to people on Instagram every day, every minute of the day. Sometimes I'm going to have to pull back on that, actually. Um, it's really important. But you have to do the work. You know, you have to, and, 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 and people are doing the work. And I think people are really understanding that it's not just a quick fix. It's not just a click of the finger. It's not just read a book and I'm fixed. It's digging really deep and, and knowing that you can do it and respecting that how awesome are you that you can do that. Look, we build up habits from the age of, I guess, once we start learning how to pick up habits, and those habits can just as easily be broken. You know, it's really, it, 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 it's as simple as that. So, yeah. So, you know, moving forward and improving your health, it all starts with, with, with looking back in some respects, in terms of reflection and looking around. You, you, know, you mentioned it there in terms of positive people and getting rid of the negative people. So sometimes you have to stop reflect, analyze, and then plan your way forward from there. And that's a really important point for any health journey in terms of whether trying to switch your health up. It's looking back, first of all, analyzing where you want to go and building that roadmap to try and get there. That's exactly it. Exactly it. Um, and, and again, uh, you know, there's, I have a whole chapter on goal setting because goal setting is magical and it's so important and not just uh, I want to look a certain way for my wedding or I want to look a certain way for my school reunion and show those mother Fs, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, it's not, it's not about that. It's 
what is my goal? Why is it my goal? And how do I get there? What am I going to do in order to get there? Am I going to get up 10 minutes earlier and do some stretching to sort of heal this injury that I have that will take me to the next step? Am I going to drink more water? How am I going to do that? Am I going to put water out on the side? Am I going to put a timer every two, two hours so that I can drink that water? You know, it's practical steps to sort of, so you acknowledge where you're going wrong or the things that you're doing that no longer serve you, I suppose, because saying that you're wrong is quite negative. We don't need that. We don't need to beat ourselves up about stuff. And then you just move forward. And every day it's taking baby steps. You know, even when I was writing the book, there were moments when I thought, I can't do this. I just can't, I just, I cannot do it. And it was my husband who said to me, listen, you know, a word makes a sentence, makes a paragraph, makes a chapter, makes a page, makes a book. So just start with a word. And that was really powerful for me because I thought, God, he's right. You know, I, if I don't write the word, how can I wrote, write the book? And it's the same thing for everything we do in our daily lives. If you, if you don't take the first step, then you can't walk the walk or run the run or sprint the sprint. Uh, and no one's asking you to go from taking a step to sprinting. Of course not. You know, it's the, the phrase Rome wasn't built in a day is, is, is a phrase for a reason. You know, so I think it's really exactly as you say, Carl, it's about it's about reflecting, understanding, knowing where you want to go and then putting those practices in place, practical practices in place. And also, I think it's really important to have accountability um, and support and accountability are two really important things. So if you tell someone that you want to do something, then, then that's out there, right? That's in the ether. You know, you've said the words out loud and, and that's, you know, outward gratitude is, is sort of, it works for a reason. I shout gratitude in a cold shower every morning going, I'm so <laughs> grateful for hot water. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and when you say something out loud, it exists. It's no longer a thought in your mind. And I think that's really important to tell people that the journey you want to go on, you know, allow support, you know, allow, allow yourself to be vulnerable. Why not? You know, being vulnerable is a gift. It's fine to feel like you, you, you need help and support. We all need help and support. And especially now during COVID, it's a time when we need to reach out and say, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with whatever it might be. I want to quit booze. I want to quit smoking. I want to be kinder to myself. I just, I want to grow my hair long. Whatever it is, having support and accountability is really, really key. What's in your own goal list now? So obviously, you know, with a book coming out, that's a big one to achieve. It's a massive one. But what does the future look like? And where, you know, what's in your, what's in your mind? What are you thinking? It's a really good question. I, I tend to try and not to... It's interesting because I, I'm going to liken this to a, a bike ride that I took with my husband from London to Brighton once, and I swore I would never do it again. Um, and the reason I didn't uh, is because the whole way, pretty long way, I kept on asking, are we th- how far are we? Are we there yet? Well, I, have, I was like a little kid going, are we there yet? How long have we got? Ah, saddle's killing me. Moan, moan, moan. And he just turned around and he went, would you ever just think about the now? You know, just think about what, what this this road, this piece of grass, this this you know. You can tell that he's a degree in psychology, by the way. Um, <laughs> and you know, don't think about the destination. And so that was really key for me, goal wise. I'm always learning. I mean, for me, it's about 
I want to be able to, to you know, this book to help people. Um, I want, I, I'm, I'm constantly changing. I'm constantly doing things. You know, I have a 21 day challenge that I'm doing with, with, with followers on Instagram at the moment and I'm doing the challenge as well. You know, I, I, I wanted to switch coffee for green tea, which I've done for the last since we're over halfway there now. Um, I'm doing celery juice in the morning. I've now, I, I have to scream at my husband to get down and get, give me 40. That's his thing. That's his 21 day challenge. So I'm doing 10 push-ups um so you know i want to get fit fitter physically stronger because i have an injury um i like you we had this conversation before i love the fact that actually i don't need to go to the gym anymore to work out so i you know my goal is to sort of set up this area where i can just go to in the home wherever i want to and not have to rely on equipment to 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 work out there's so many things and the, the great thing is about goals is that you can have a new one every day. That's what I love about goals. What is, or does this exist? I'm going to ask it anyway. What's a mad night? So what, what, you know, so we're talking about celery juice and already healthy and coffee and gritty green tea. Celery juice. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I can hear my, our listeners screaming at me, say, ask her what, what, you know, what she, what she does on a mad night. Out. Is, it, is it, is it, you know, I don't know, is it a pizza? Is it a couple, or, you know, what, how does that look? So I have, I have to give you this answer first, right? Okay, go for it. Go I, I was asked but this very same question. And in fact, it was last week and it was a journalist who, who came back after she'd interviewed me and she, uh, she emailed my publicist and she said, can you ask Amanda what she does to take a break from her wellness lifestyle? And my immediate reaction was, by insinuating that I take a break would mean that my lifestyle is a chore. Mm -hmm. So, and, and it was interesting because years ago I would have said, absolutely. I'm super healthy during the week and on weekends I eat chocolate, I eat crisps, I eat popcorn, I eat pizza. And then on Monday I get back into it again. And I have found that that is the cycle of binge purge repeat that I worked really hard to get out of. And so for me, I actually include everything. So there's chocolate in the fridge. I eat salt and vinegar crisps. Um, I bought these really yummy watermelon fizzy sweets to go to the cinema the other night. Um, and so for me, I, I could eat an entire jar of peanut butter. Although nowadays, because everything I do is finely imbalanced, like I say, it's taken a long time to include that stuff back in my lifestyle again without panicking that it's going to make me crazy fat and I'm never going to be able to, you know, fit into my clothes, which is just ludicrous. So now I have everything in moderation, which if you'd said that to me, even five years ago, Carl, I would have been taking seeds out of salads. I would have been having like a spoon of brown rice, carbs, no way. And that's why I went back and learned about nutrition and PT because then I understood we eat carbs because of the ATP energy system and we actually need it to survive. So um, I just, it's a difficult one to answer because I don't want to do myself a disservice by saying that's how I take a break because mm -hmm. actually, I sort of kind of do whatever I yeah, want. Ba balance, is a, balance is a good answer. It's the balance perfect answer. If, if you want a hit list of the things that I suppose should be taken in moderation, um, I do love chocolate. Uh, I I eat um, uh, bougie bougie truffles. I don't know if we're allowed to mention names. Go for it. Yeah, work away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I dairy makes me funky in my belly, so I tend to eat vegan chocolate. So there's a, a, a chocolate bar called Vego, V-E-G-O. 
try it. It's incredible. <laughs> um, like I say, peanut butter by the bucket load. Um, uh, I love, uh, see the thing is, you know, again, years ago, my guilty pleasure, I never use words like that anymore because nothing is guilty. It's just a pleasure. Um, I love sourdough bread. I could eat a whole loaf, but now that I have two to three slices a day, that's fine for me. So I don't have to gorge on that. Um, I love vegan pizza. There's an amazing place up the road from us. I love pasta. We had pasta for dinner last night with loads of olive oil and salt. So again, it's just, there's, I love everything. There's nothing I dislike except marzipan. <laughs> That's fair <laughs> enough. Thing I do not like. Uh, and now I'm going to indulge myself. I have to ask you a total wipeout. It's, it was my favorite TV show ever, ever. And when, when I knew we were going to interview, so I have to ask her. Uh, oh, yes, I love it. And for those who haven't seen it, if you're listening in, check it out. It'll be on YouTube. Check it out. It was like it was like a big adventure course in, from recollection, it was, it was Argentina. It was over in the... Argentina, yeah. We yeah. Filmed in Buenos Aires, yeah. And uh, people, basically, it was a massive, it was like mousetrap. It was a big <laughs> obstacle course for adults and they were getting hit by all kinds of stuff and it was my favorite show ever give us a little bit of give us a little bit of juicy gossip about uh, did you ever try the course yourself first of all oh i should start saying yes to this question because i do get asked a lot and <laughs> the resounding answer is always what no way the reason i didn't is because on our last trip out there so first of all we weren't insured to do the course if we if the hosts weren't allowed to do it while we were out there filming so you would have to either do it on a day off or do it after the show wrapped now we filmed in a field in the middle of nowhere, two hours outside of Buenos Aires. So the idea of everyone after their two days of filming one show to get back in a car and go all the way back out again, we always said, we'll do it when the show wraps. We'll do it when the show comes off there. So our last trip out there was December 2012, I think, God. And it was a winter wipeout special. We'd done our first and everyone thought it was thrilled with it. Danny Cohen, the, the BBC controller at the time, that it was amazing we landed and we heard the news that it had been cancelled so we were all I mean devastated for the show and also devastated I was like get me back on the plane I haven't done the course yet so I never got to do it it is on my list of goals of things to do one day because the American version just got rebooted so the set okay. is back up and running in LA so I will definitely do it one day I promise I think there should be a, a like a Eurovision for hosts yeah, yeah. On my pet course. It was honestly, Carl, the best fun I've had on any TV show I've ever done. I mean, basically we were we were humankind was laughing at the misfortunes of others. <laughs> we tend to like to do best in a, in a weird and sadistic way. You know, I interviewed and watched 1,200 contestants over a period of four, five, four or five years. Wow. God, it was, uh, it, was, it was, and I, re I remember I had a, we had a meeting in RT once. I said, lads, I want to do Wipeout. We have to do Wipeout in RT. And of course, it was it was slightly out of budget, I think, uh, to say the least. But it was an amazing show. Yeah, and the budget is the reason we actually ended up getting cancelled. Um, but that said, you know, there's always an appetite for it. I speak to Richard Hammond all the time. Um, you know, we, we, we want to do stuff together because we, we love working together. In fact, he used to do, so he only ever came out to the set once. So his, his bits were actually in London. He came to the set once and he just laughed. He went, wait, it's a field in the middle of nowhere. I went, yeah, well, welcome to my job. But looked amazing on camera as things often do. So listen, remind us that the title of the book is called The Switch. It's out at bookstores nationwide and across the globe now. And if people want to follow you online, where can they find you? 
Um, I love being on Instagram um, at Amanda Byram. I am on Twitter. I just don't use it as much. Um, Instagram is a really nice little place for me where people can DM me and sort of send me messages and, and ask questions and advice and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have spoken to you. This has been brilliant. It's been great to catch up. Well, listen, the very best of luck with the book and thank you so much for joining us today. Folks, that is it for another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. As ever, you know where we are at Carl Henry PT on Twitter and on Instagram and Real Health help at independent.ie don't forget to rate and review and share with a friend if you enjoyed the interview and as ever we shall see you next week Slongapo. Leia Healthcare looking after you always proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry